Good morning and welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I'm aware that for many people, they bought a turkey early, put it in the freezer, and they bought a giant one because they thought they're going to have lots of people around. And like many of us, we didn't have as many people around. So you're probably going to be eating that turkey for a while yet. I hope it tastes good. I hope you had a good time of rest and you had moment to recognize what, what you should be thankful for, which is much, which leads me on to where we're going today, the subject that we're going to be looking at. Let me introduce it like this. There was a film that I loved several years ago called The Matrix. And there was this scene where this epic character called Morpheus sits in a chair opposite Neo, this other guy who at the time in the film series is kind of working out who he is and what he does next. And Morpheus gives Neo two options. And they look like this. He offers a red pill and a blue pill. And in the film, he says, you take the red pill, you wake up, this is all a dream, you think whatever you want to think. Or you take the blue pill, and I show you where this road leads. It's this epic beginning to this sequence. And the reason I'm using that as an analogy is this, whatever you choose will have consequences. The decisions that you make will lead somewhere. That is the way that God has ordered the world. He gives us freedom to choose, but our choices go somewhere. There are going to be consequences. Situations and circumstances will arise because of the decision that you made. Over the next few weeks, I want to be looking at this subject of choices. And I want to encourage you to make good choices, aware that they will go somewhere. God gives us freedom to choose, and we do live out the consequence of those choices. But what's wonderful about the good news of Jesus is he doesn't leave us with the fate of our choices. He offers us salvation. He offers us hope. He offers us love. God doesn't leave us with the fate of our choices. But we do have choices, and the choices we make go somewhere. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what we choose. And today, I want to talk about the subject of gratitude. It feels so fitting in light of Thanksgiving, what we've recently celebrated. I want to encourage you today to choose gratitude. Choose gratitude. What does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? We're going to expand and explore this. Let me start with a Thanksgiving Day story. Over the course of the year, as a family, we have these moments where we'll sit down, often over breakfast, and we'll write some things that have recently happened in life that we're thankful for, things that we are genuinely thankful for. And we'll fold up the piece of paper and we'll put it in a jar. This is our Thanksgiving jar. And as you can see, it is stuffed full of Life moments, situations and circumstances that we are thankful for. And on Thanksgiving morning, as we have breakfast, we empty the jar and we pour the contents out on the table and we take it in turns to read some of the things that we are thankful for. And we're always amazed at the things that we had forgotten that happened over the course of the year that we can be thankful for. And this is a year 
where we would assume, well, not much good has happened in 2020. But let me encourage you, the jar is still full. There is much we can be thankful for. But thankfulness or gratitude is a choice. We have to choose it. We have to be intentional. And so often that isn't the case. Somebody asked me a question this week. They said, do you have a jar for things that you are not thankful for? We don't have that jar. If we did, it's true to say that this year, that jar probably would also have plenty of contents as well. But what you choose to focus on will always have a consequence. It changes us. I want to say to you, thankfulness is good for you. People that are thankful seem to be happier than people who aren't, people who grumble all the time. I saw a statistic in some strange research paper where somebody this year studied how much time do we spend each day complaining, moaning, grumbling. They calculated that roughly the average person spends four minutes and 45 seconds a day complaining. That equals 50 hours per year. And for some people who you may know, you may be one of them, sadly, they complain way more than four minutes and 54 seconds a day. It's so much time spent in the wrong, in the wrong way, in the wrong energy. Because what you choose, what you say, will change you. Like the two pills in the Matrix scene, they're always going to lead somewhere. So today, I want to encourage you to choose gratitude, to choose thankfulness. There is much in 2020 that we can be thankful for. Let me give you some examples. Personally, as a family, we've really enjoyed walking. As we've had more time to walk, we've noticed more. We're nearly ready to buy a house. We are so thankful for that, for God's provision and kindness and grace as we've approached and lived through these last two years. We're really, really grateful for that. Personally, in the spring, we're having conversations about getting a puppy. I'm thankful for that idea. As a church, I'm really thankful for this church, for this group of people. During the pandemic, when disconnect has been so easy. As a church, we've tried to maintain connection. We sent a survey out during the autumn, during the fall, and we were informed by the people that, that responded to that survey, which was a high percentage of the church, that we have maintained connection. Around 90% of people have maintained a sense of connection with church this year. I'm really thankful for that. I'm thankful for the finances and the generosity of people who have given and who have tithed. The tithe is to give 10% of your income to God's work, to the local church. I'm really thankful for the faithfulness and obedience of people to give and to tithe. As a church this year, our income is 10% down on what it was the year before. Whilst that's sad and that's not our hope and our planned trajectory, many churches have experienced a considerably bigger reduction of income. As a church this year, as an organized church looking at our finances, we've been compelled to care 
for people who are struggling. This year, we have given away more already than what we did throughout the duration, the entirety of 2019. Now, some of you that have just listened to those two statistics probably have got some questions. Wait a minute. We've received less, but we've given away more. How have we managed to do that? We have made some budget cuts. We've employed less staff, and we spent less money than what we had planned to because we wanted to be good stewards and because we wanted to give as we've heard of needs. I'm really thankful for the willingness of staff uh, to take some of these adjustments because we've wanted to be a good steward and we've wanted to be generous. For you, if you're watching this, if you haven't maintained your, your tithe and your giving, and you can, may I encourage you to do so? May I encourage you to give? It's been a real privilege that as a church, we've been financially able to care for people and your giving has made that possible. If you hear this ask and you're like, wait a minute, I can't, I've lost my job. If you've got no money or you've got no food in the fridge, please let us know. I'm not going to ask you for money. I'm going to ask, how can we give to you? How can we put some food in your fridge? Please let us know. I'm really grateful for the way God has led us through this pandemic this year. We've got plenty to be thankful for. We should choose gratitude. We've got plenty to be grateful for, even in 2020. We're going to look at scripture. I want to look at the subject of how can we learn to be grateful even in all times, in all circumstances. What are the keys? What are the lessons that we can learn so that we aren't going to be a group of people that are always grumbling, but that we might be the people of God who are always grateful in all situations and circumstances. In the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, we read the story of God's people and how God is leading them. There is this Exodus story, which is this reoccurring massive theme in the Old Testament where God is leading his people. And God's providing for them and caring for them and leading them through seas and providing food for them every morning and providing drink for them when they need it. But the reoccurring theme of the people of God in this Exodus story is that they grumble, they complain, they moan, they blame each other, they blame Moses and they blame God. They are a grumbling nation. And sadly, rarely do they choose gratitude and it costs them because what we choose will always determine something. It costs them. I don't want us to be that group of people that are always grumbling. I want us to be that group of people that are always grateful. Some examples and some comparisons. As we approach Christmas, we retell and remember the Christmas story, which begins with this young girl, Mary, who has this visit from an angel who says something remarkable to her. You're going to have a baby, even though you've never been with a man and you're a virgin. God is going to gift you this baby and this baby's going to be the one that will save the world. And Mary, in this incredible place where you would be confused and have so many questions, she says, may your words come true. She welcomes with gratitude the God who takes us by surprise. 
she doesn't grumble. A familiar song that no doubt we'll be singing in a few weeks' time is Silent Night, and it tells the story of the birth of Jesus. I just want to imagine this from Mary's perspective for a moment. To get to the barn where the baby is born, Mary and Joseph had to travel 90 miles. It's probable that they had one donkey, and Mary is pregnant on a 90-mile journey, and she doesn't grumble. When they arrive in Bethlehem, they can't find anywhere to stay, and she doesn't grumble. We don't read any account of them complaining. They eventually take shelter in a barn, in a shed, and there's animals and there's straw. And in that barn, with no pain medicine, she gives birth to Jesus. And there's no record of her grumbling. Now, I will say this. If you've traveled 90 miles and you're pregnant and then you end up delivering a baby in a stable with straw and animals around, it's very unlikely that it was a silent night. That's poetic license. But what we do see with Mary is the example of gratitude, where she's grateful and she welcomes what God is doing. Jesus is another perfect example of someone who's so faithful in his love for God and his love for people that he expresses gratitude often. I want us to learn from these examples. Jesus being the ultimate example that gratitude is a choice, but when we choose it, it changes us. So how do we shift? How do we move from the popular cultural trend of negativity and complaining to the God trend and characteristic of gratitude in all situations? How do we make that choice? If you've got your Bibles, let's go to the New Testament book of Luke. We're going to look at this story, Luke 17, verse 11 to 17. And we're looking at it through the lenses of what does it mean to choose gratitude? Luke 17, verse 11 to 17, we read this. On his way, this is Jesus, to Jerusalem, Jesus arrived along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. We read this passage last week, but we're going to expand on it some more this week. Some of you may be remembering that. They, as in the ten men, stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God. In a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said to them, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Ten people are sick. All of them are healed. One of them chooses gratitude. Nine of them, we don't know what happened. This one returns the distance he comes back back he falls at Jesus's feet and he chooses gratitude I imagine Jesus smiling in this moment but Jesus asks the question what happened to the other nine so often in life 
we choose to complain. We choose to not express gratitude. We choose not to celebrate a heart of thanksgiving. And we know people like that. And at times we hear that in ourselves. I love the example of this person who chooses gratitude. It's not enough to say, I'm going to choose to grumble less. I'm going to choose to turn four minutes and 50 seconds into four minutes and 20 seconds. That's not enough. Our efforts are never enough. But when we choose Jesus and when we choose to be grateful, it changes us. It isn't enough just to say, I'm going to try harder. Don't try harder. Choose Jesus. And in the context of Thanksgiving in all seasons and circumstances, choose gratitude. In the New Testament, the word for thanks comes from grace and Eucharist. Grace and Eucharist. The Eucharist is when we celebrate and remember the cross, the crucifixion and the gift that God gives us through Jesus' life and death and resurrection. So when we celebrate the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Jesus' shed blood and battered body, we give thanks. We choose gratitude. Therefore, all of our existence and worship should arrive around thanks. Thanksgiving, the gift of Jesus. This is a powerful idea that all of our centering, our life, our worship, our words and our deeds centers around this table, this display, this grace, this gift, this body, this blood that's made available for all. We have so much to be grateful for. Choose gratitude. Let's look at this some more. Some short passages. One Chronicles. 16, 34 says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. We choose God because God chooses us. And in a world where things fade and break and change, God's love endures forever. We have so much to be grateful for. God's love endures. When nothing else endures, God's love endures. We have so much to be grateful for. New Testament book 1 Thessalonians. We read this. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There are some circumstances it's easier to give thanks in than there are other circumstances. Sometimes it really is a choice. So why does God say give thanks in all circumstances? This is what I believe. Circumstances change us. They shape us. They mold us. At times, they, they really do change the way we are and the way we feel and the way we operate. I want to encourage you. While circumstances will have an effect on us, they don't have to change who we are. 
if we've said yes to Jesus, then we are sons and daughters of God. That is our identity. That is your identity. Do not allow circumstances to change your identity. So when we learn to be grateful in all circumstances, what we are saying is my circumstances will not define who I am. I am a son and a daughter of God. That's my identity. And when I see through those lenses, I have plenty to be grateful for. And then lastly, Colossians. We read this, Colossians 3 verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Choosing gratitude is an example to the world around us. Whatever, whatever you do in word or deed, choose to be grateful. Choose to give thanks. Your example of what you choose will paint a picture for those around us. Many people may, that you know may not read your Bible, but they will read your words and your actions. And when you choose to give thanks, when you choose gratitude, people will notice. And when you don't choose gratitude, people will also notice. In some ways, our gratitude and our display of gratitude to those around us will point people to or away from Jesus. It's a witness to the world what we choose. People will see Jesus. So when we choose God, when we choose gratitude, we are choosing God's way. We're choosing his words. We're choosing his example. When we choose gratitude, we're not allowing circumstances to define who we are. Our identity is in him as sons and daughters of God. When we choose gratitude, we are showing the world around us what Jesus is like, who Jesus is. We're celebrating the gift that Jesus gives us. You're going to know this, but I'm going to say this anyway. It's hard to do two things at the same time. It's hard to complain and to express thanks at the same time. Largely, you will choose one or the other. May I encourage you in all situations, in all seasons, in all circumstances, to choose gratitude because it will change you. It will fuel you. It will raise you in a good way and a good orientation to God. I've got some homework for you this week. I've got some things I want to ask you to do. The first thing I want you to do, at some point today, get a piece of paper, a notepad, or your notes app on your phone. I want you to write down the things that you can be grateful for. By doing so, you may be surprised how long the list is. By doing so, it will stir something in you. There's a passage, I won't put it on the screen, in Philippians 4 verse 8, which kind of emphasizes this idea. And it says this, 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What you think about, what you meditate on will change you. You have plenty to be grateful for. So write a list. That's homework item number one. Number two, thank the person that no one sees. This week, when I was grocery shopping and someone was banging my items for me, I intentionally made a point of looking at them at a name tag on and saying, thank you for what you're doing for me today, John. I appreciate you. I didn't say I appreciate that. I said, I appreciate you. And the person looked at me. And they were slightly surprised because they're just doing their job, right? Some people don't even say thank you. May I encourage you, homework item number two, thank the person that no one sees. Be intentional. It is a display of God's love and God's kindness and our actions, our words and our deeds will display Jesus to people. And then lastly, some of you do this anyway. For some of us, we don't write that much anymore. We use electronic devices a lot. I want to encourage you to send somebody a thank you card. And not just because they've done something for you, but because of who they are. Send someone a thank you card. This week, drop someone a note. Tell them that you're grateful for who they are, maybe in your life, for the impact that they've had. Gratitude is a choice. I want to encourage you this week to choose gratitude. It will change you and it will change the world around you. Ultimately, we're celebrating Jesus and we have much to celebrate. So this week, the week when we have eaten and sat around tables and celebrated thanksgiving may i encourage you that this is not an event that we celebrate once a year but this is an orientation of our heart may i encourage you this week to choose gratitude thank you for joining us if you would like prayer please email us or if you're watching on social media on facebook write something in the comments and we'll follow up we'll reply to you you can email us prayer at sscma.com and somebody from our prayer team will contact you and pray with you. Have a great week. Have a grateful week. Choose gratitude. See you soon.